1: Listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
2: Welcome in episode 77, Blue Jays Nation Radio. Tyler Uremchuk and Cam Lewis with you. Finally a series win, Coombsy. Still not a lot of optimism going around, but finally a series win. Yeah, that's true. But there's uh, something we have to do first. And I've actually remembered
1: to do it this time. And this is episode number 77. Mm -hmm. So you have to tell me who the two blue Jays ever are. That's a terribly misworded sentence on my part. Wow. That was awful. Tell me who the two blue Jays ever are. Oh my God. To wear number 77. You know what I'm asking? It's Uh, fine.
2: But you know, I don't know the player numbers well. No, you don't. But one of them was on the team last year. And one was on the team 2018, but he was also, he almost made a brief
1: appearance last year.
2: Okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking pitcher or fielder. Uh, we'll go with the one who I think is easier to remember. He was a,
1: an outfielder, left-handed, left-handed hitter. Left-handed. Developed hitter. in the system. it has gone now. In the system. DFA'd
2: this year. Josh Palacios. Josh Palacios. Let's that go. Correct. The other one is
1: a Woo. pitcher who almost made a late career comeback with the Jays, but ended up having that come back. John Axford. With milk. Yeah, that's right. There it is. Oh, two for two. Let's go. There you go. Now we're talking. This yeah. is the Josh Palacios slash
2: John Axford episode of BJ on radio. Oh, let's let's get it. I am fired up. Okay, um, before we get into our three up three down, there's something I want to talk about with you. And that is the fact you got to watch you got to live out one of my dreams. You get to watch the Jays game the other night from the hotel. I've always wanted to do that
1: yeah, I did. I watched the game from the hotel and it was it was really good. I was actually impressed by how well you can see what's going on from there. It just you know sometimes when you're in the five hundreds, it feels like you're and and to be fair, I, I was in the room that was like straight away center field, so you had like a straight view of home plate. Flex. So it was kind of like the the perfect five hundred level spot, but a little bit higher up and just quiet because you were in a room. But yeah, you could see everything going on. It was also sick to just also have the game on the TV so you could watch something happen. And then be like, oh, what the fuck? What just happened? then flip over and it's just happening live on TV. So you see the immediate TV reaction of it. It's just a, it's a funny phenomenon to see that.
2: Yeah. That like uh, the whole thing, I've just always wanted to do that. The last time I went to Toronto, I kind of looked into it and just couldn't get the hotel thing figured out, but I've, yeah, I've always wanted to do that. I think it's so cool. And like, also booze is much cheaper when you watch in your hotel room.
1: It's significantly cheaper when you bring in a duffel bag full of whatever from the LCBO than it is spending $17 in a tall can of Bud Light. Exactly. This is true. But I will say I did one of the weirdest things I've ever done in my life, which is the predictably, since it's a Marriott location, I'd say it's an expensive room service. So it's either room service or burritos. And I was like, you know what? I have a ticket to this game from that May pack. I'm just going to go in, Mm -hmm. buy something and come back out to the room. So I went down and got a hot dog and came back up and it only took like eight minutes. That whole round trip went to the Jays game left and I was leaving. They were like, you know, you can't come back. And I was like, that is fine. I have a hot dog. I'm going to go watch from the hotel.
2: <laughs> you know, you can't come back and you're like, I don't give a fuck. I came for the hot That's dog. Fine. That is perfectly fine. I won't come back because they're losing four, one to the Seattle Mariners. Uh, okay. All right. Well, let's uh let's back get to reality. Yeah, back to reality here. Uh, first off shout out to our friends at DoorDash. Use the promo code DD gets first time users of the app 25% off and no delivery fees. Shout out to DoorDash.
1: Is ballpark food on DoorDash?
2: I don't That'd think. Be good. No, there's no way. I mean it that that would have saved you a step if you could have just ordered a couple hot dogs up to your room from DoorDash.
1: Can you imagine someone orders up from the DoorDash, and the driver has to go in and like present a ticket, and then go get it from the thing, and then come back up.
2: All right. Process. Let's get to three up, three down. Um, they won the series, so we're going to be optimistic, even though a lot of people don't want to be optimistic Are with this we? team right now. Um, well, we're going to try to be. First up, the roof was open for a game. Yay!
1: The roof was open for a game. The weather was pretty nice here for a few days, and now it's raining. Uh, the weather's no longer nice. No. And the, the roof was closed on the Wednesday game, It was. So.
2: Um, but still, you know, roof opening means uh, we're yeah, getting summer vibes. We're getting to those summer vibes with the team, and that's when they're going to turn it around. They're, I've said it all along. They're a team that will probably hit better when the roof is open. So, you think so? I have no idea. I'm just trying to be optimistic. <laughs> and that was our first up was the roof is open. a good game. narrative to do.
1: It's like, oh, the Jays aren't going to play well if the roof is closed.
2: What was we'll R.A. Dickey's it. big thing? He hated when the oh roof was open. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, he was supposed to be better when it was a dome uh, because there was less something about like the North Atlantic or the Northeast Atlantic Ocean wind did something to the ball. And then it was like, well, you know, he had better numbers with the mats when he was outside, but it always seemed to be that the dome was going to be a better environment for him.
2: Never made sense. I was just a nightmare. And he openly bitched about it like all the time too.
1: That was the worst thing about the Ra Dickey experience was like, I I have a lot of respect for him being like a very like well-read and articulate and thoughtful individual. But like listening to him talk about that post game after walking like six guys in a row was always so frustrating. Yeah.
2: Um, all right, well, then we're going to move on to our second up, and that's uh, another just really, really good start from Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, he goes six strong, only allows the one hit, no earned runs. He strikes out six as well. Uh, this is the Kikuchi we were kind of hoping Pete Walker would be able to turn him into, hey?
1: Yeah, that's kind of the thing is um, Yusei Kikuchi was not the guy who, according to like the, the true narratives, was the replacement for Robbie Wright. It's kind of like, oh you know, they swapped Kikuchi and Ray Seattle to Toronto, Toronto, to Seattle, but you know, it was actually Kevin Gosman. They signed in replace of Ray. But the ironic thing is, is that Kikuchi has been better than Robbie Ray this year because Pete Walker is making him pitch like Robbie Ray. You know, that's um, Kikuchi said after his uh, most recent good start against Seattle, he said he was kind of wary to the change that Pete Walker was going to do with him, but they're throwing the cutter more. He's, you know, in the strike zone significantly more than he was in his first few starts. And he said, it's just, you know, process oriented thing so this could be a funny situation where the pete walk the pete walker magic wears off on robbie ray who mysteriously wasn't around during the series and then it goes on to you kikuchi instead and he shows his old team wow you uh, you really fucked up letting me go
2: i love how hard the mariners are protecting or seemingly protecting the fact robbie ray's not vaccinated
1: I think it was just about the money. Right. Like I would guess that when he was going into contract negotiations, the agent was like, okay, I don't have the backs. I can't go to Toronto. We're going to go there once. I don't want to miss three, four days of pay. Can we just figure out a way around this? Uh, And that would be, I assume that's it because they put the other guy on the, on the restrictive list, but you know, he's just a random guy, not like a 25 million dollar contract guy. Uh, Uh, That'd be my guess. Otherwise I have no fucking clue what the point of that
2: would be. Anyways, uh, yeah, Kikuchi looked really, really good again. And now you're starting to look at a rotation that's maybe starting to get into the form that we hoped it would. Like, remember beginning of the year, we were like, hey, this is maybe a group that has the potential to be one of the best in the American League, or maybe even like a top five in all of baseball kind of thing. And now we're starting to see maybe how that could potentially happen, maybe by the midway point of the season with a guy like Kikuchi putting together Starts like he's putting together right now. And this ties in nicely to our third up, which is Jose Barrios, who also had a tremendous start. Yeah, he allowed six hits, but he didn't allow any runners to cross the plate. He went seven strong. A really good start from Jose Barrios. And after just a a horrible, horrible start to the season, he's now starting to. And it hasn't been like a sharp jump into form but he's maybe starting to get to the point where it's like, all right, I I know the last start against New York wasn't good, but I think we're starting to see him maybe show what he can do.
1: Yeah. I guess the silver lining with Burios is he hasn't obviously looked anywhere near as sharp as he usually does, or he should look like you look at his baseball savant page and it's just, it's pretty much blue. Everything like (laughs) the exit velocity from opponents is high, like expected and batting average. I mean, the chase rate is the chase rate and the whiff is fine. It's, you know, that's in the red, but you know, there's lots of kind of warning signs with Barrios, but I guess the silver lining to take is as bad as his stuff has been, he's still getting pretty good results. Like he had those starts earlier on in the season. I remember the one in Boston where they were just drilling the ball everywhere and the defense bailed him out. And then he just settles in and pitches, you know, like six solid innings and allows two runs. That's fine. And then there's the game against uh, Seattle. Like he doesn't have amazing stuff. He's not, you know, getting guys to whip for chase, but he still navigates seven innings, no one runs, So yep. perfectly fine. I guess we would all like to see Ace Jose Barrios. But if he's doing this more often than not, then that's great. He's finding a way to put up good starts. And
2: that's what you need. And I know that Yankees start like on the stats page doesn't look great, but that was like one mistake, right? And yeah. it was that, whole it run, that a shitty home, home run. run. It was a shitty home run. Like that very easily could have been. Six innings and two earned, right? If that break kind of goes his way. So that's why I kind of say he's slowly rounding into form because you can see things are starting to be pieced together here with Jose Barrios. Um, other than that, like I, I really do think those are kind of the only three ops. Like I, I really liked the way Bo hit in the series opener, obviously going three for five. He's starting to Put together some good games now, right? The batting average is up to 247. The OPS is slowly starting to climb here. Uh, He went one for four in the second game, went over with a walk in the series finale. But Bo, I think, is slowly starting to get to that level, and it wouldn't surprise me. And maybe it comes this weekend against Cincinnati against a bad team, but it wouldn't surprise me if we get a Bo heater right away where it's two weeks of him really hitting the ball well.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice to see. I mean, it's hard to kind of draw like an overarching positive about the bats from the series. But I guess if there is one, it's that Bo had a big game. I thought Matt Chapman looked a lot better at the plate. He just kind of became like the focus of negativity after the Tampa series because he had those two errors and he wasn't hitting well. So it was nice for him to kind of bounce back and hit. That's another one where it kind of looks like, geez, this guy could break out at some point because, you know, you look at his underlying numbers and it's high exit velocity is just you know, it's not going out of the park. Like we saw those ones in Tampa just kind of die. There was another one in Toronto too. The ball just kind of had that weird crater. So I think Chapman's kind of in the same spot too. Might be a potential breakout there, but kind of hard to give the bats a thumbs up at this point. Cause that was a, that was a disappointing series offensively going up against Seattle pitchers who really weren't phenomenal.
2: Yeah. I was hoping they would uh, do more than that. My prediction was 15 runs. They finished with only 10. And I mean, if they would have had 15, they I mean, that extra five, they lost the last game by four. We might have been talking about a sweep here, but the bats could not do anything against Marco Gonzalez, who went six strong in the series finale. Uh, Let's get into the downs. We kind of just touched on them. The bats were not good. One guy who's really sputtering along, and this is extra disappointing, Teoscar Hernandez going one for 12 in this series. I mean, when he was out, they really missed him. When he returned, it was like, all right, everyone's going to snap back into a nice groove here. Now that Teo's back in the lineup and that just hasn't happened because Hernandez can't hit anything.
1: Yeah. He looks like really far behind. He he had, I think it was in this series. It was either this. Yeah. It was either this one or the Tampa one, but I'm pretty sure it was against Seattle. He swung at a pitch that must've been like four feet outside the zone. Just waved, just hacked. And it's like, we have not seen a Oscar Hernandez stretch this bat in a long time. Like, since he went back down to AAA in 2019, he hasn't had a cold streak like this. You have to wonder, is it just, you know, he was injured and his timing's off. It's going to take a while to catch up. Or is he still maybe dealing with some lingering issues from the oblique injury, which is definitely something that happens with oblique injuries.
2: Yeah. Um. There was a handful of guys like, I mean, Zach Collins, a like great story early in the year. But this guy... He doesn't need to be hitting where he's hitting in the lineup. Like, let's be real here. In his last seven games, he's one hit in 17 ABs. In his last 15 games, he has two dingers, but that's in 47 at-bats where he's batting 149 and slugging 319. Like, we're probably good without Zach. Like, the Zach Collins experiment was fun. It was a good bit. I love that he tweets the W after every game, but I'm good now. Like, I'm fine with him being done.
1: Somebody pointed out on Twitter, and as always, I can't remember who it was. Somebody pointed out there, like, this is becoming exactly like Juan Francisco, where he does well for a little while, and as a result, there's just a prolonged experiment keeping him in the middle of the lineup, even though all of the results and all of the data, like, swings at everything, isn't having success anymore. He's not, you know, just barreling into fastballs randomly. And they're just going to, like, keep the continue going. Keep the, like, just just keep the experiment going continuously. Because he had that short hot streak. So it's like, how
2: long do they keep going? Because you can justify keeping him on the roster as a captain, yeah, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, But not an everyday guy who's batting fifth. But they need to go up and get a left handed bat. Okay, well, Doesn't hear me out trade. on this. Hear me out on this. Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Hernandez. That's your first four, right? Mm-hmm. Would you find a way to mix Santiago Espinal into the first five somewhere? Do you put, like, he's hitting so good and consistently putting together good ABs. Why would you not consider throwing him up higher in the lineup?
1: I just wonder if it's just one of those situations where he thrives being lower. You know, they've, they've pitchers had to grind through the good guys and then you kind of loosen up at the bottom a little bit and San Diego Espinall just capitalizes. I don't know if you would inexplicably start struggling if you made him number the leadoff hitter because, you know, he's been one of their more consistent on base guys, which is wild to say, but... I don't know. I mean, at this point, the way the bats are going, like, who gives a shit? We saw Matt Chapman lead off. Just do whatever with the lineup to just get us right. Have Vladdy lead off. Doesn't
2: matter. And again, like, you're playing Cincy coming up, so like, yeah, why not? Matt Espinal second. Move both.
1: Do Espinal lead off and do Vladdy too. Yeah, why not? I'm shuffle them all around. but George Springer and an RBI spot. He probably thrive there.
2: Yeah, I just yeah. I, I'm with you 100. percent. I think they need to or that that's my take on it is. I think you need to find ways to get Espinal higher up because not a lot of guys are hitting right now and maybe he can be a bit of a spark higher up in the lineup. Sure. But I understand your point of like if he's comfortable and hitting well lower, do you really want to risk messing with it? So it makes sense. Um bullpen not going good. We'll start with Tim Miza who uh he's hurt. He's on the IL and uh you have it here, you know, when you hear words like second opinion, especially with a guy like Miza who's had issues in the past, that's mm-hmm. uh concerning.
1: Yeah, it's worrying. The Jays are saying, they're like, oh, no, no, we're just going to get a second opinion to be sure we're being safe rather than sorry. Well, I mean, whenever you hear a pitcher, especially one who's already had Tommy Jones surgery, we all remember late in the 2019 season when Meza got hurt in the game and we had to watch him kind of have the arm situation there. You know, it's obviously when you see a guy like that now with language like, oh, we're going to get a second opinion, then there's kind of a worry. But the Jays are saying it's not. huge problem they're just they're just kind of checking to see but that would definitely be a huge fucking loss for this bullpen right now because now your best lefty to get you know whatever key bat late in the game out is ryan Baraki, who i mean he used to be quite good he used to be somebody where we thought wow this guy's gonna be a key part of the bullpen but it's i mean a combination of injuries and whatever else he's dealt with has made it kind of i guess he's fallen kind of fallen back the depth chart a bit for like key spots so it's a bit of a worry.
2: And Jordan Romano's not available either. <laughs> He's got the shits. He's got the shits. And I mean, it happens to the best of us. You just got to grind was, through it.
1: And, that's, and even before that, there was all kinds of underlying data that uh, Romano was kind of struggling due for some regression. he would been pitching a lot. The velocity was down, wasn't ideal. So yeah, this might be another one of those situations where the bullpen is something the team is looking to upgrade come June. Cause it does seem like the fatigue setting in and the arms from the back of the bullpen aren't necessarily stepping up. You're not having like a, a Merriweather or somebody like that pitch. So well, where you are like, Oh yeah, we can toss this guy into whatever spot that just hasn't really happened yet.
2: Um, what, what's going on with Nate Pearson? That's a good question. He had mono. So how do you even predict how
1: that returns? Right? Like he's not pitching in purple a or anything. He's still doing like a rehab
2: um, thing in Dunedin. So it seems like he's, he might be a ways away. So like, cause like that's a guy who were what well over, we are well over a month into the season. If you could, if he could be ready to go at some point, you know, maybe that's a guy who gives you a spark and gives you some innings late in games. But like you said, with yeah, he Mon- hasn't
1: pitched in, he hasn't pitched in a real game in 2022 yet. So he hasn't even pitched a game for the baby Jays. He's doing like SIM starts and shit like that at the complex. And, didn't- <laughs> so yeah. and you're, you're coming back from mono too, right? Like the, you really don't know what to expect. So I remember at the beginning of the season, he was just yeah. basically restarting his spring training, but you're also restarting your spring training, having button mono. So I don't know if I'd factor Nate Pearson into the plans anytime soon.
2: That's too bad. Um, third down I had, you know, they went five for 20 with runners in scoring position, but still there were opportunities even in that third game where you could have, you could have taken the hold of, taken a hold of that game earlier. And you just didn't there were opportunities in the second game where you could have made that a lot easier, a lot less stressful. But you just aren't they just aren't taking advantage enough of of situations where, you know, they have the bases loaded, one out, and it's like, okay, they get one run off that. But it's like, goddamn, I'd like to see them get three runs off that, you know? Um there's just a lot of frustrating moments for me in that game and even in the third game with Kevin Gosman's start. Me and you were texting a little bit about this, but like it was just beyond frustrating to watch Seattle just Chinzy base hit, chintzy base hit. And I mean, I, I respect it because I wish the Jays could get chintzy base hit after chintzy base hit. But it was frustrating too. Like that one from Suarez, he's like the strikeout king of the American League. This guy barely ever gets bat on ball. If it does, it usually goes 500 feet. And he has a hit where he just throws the bat at it. Should have been a double play. Instead, it squeaks through Bow and Chapman and, and it loads the bases. And it's like, man, it was really frustrating. To watch that game where the Jays could have swept the Mariners. Gosman's on the bump. You're feeling so good about it. And it's just chintzy hit, chintzy hit, squeaker, squeaker. And the Jays don't get any of that. And it was like, man, it was just that third game just really, really irked me.
1: It did. It, 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 it really took the wind out of the sails because the the Monday game, it really felt like, okay, like here we are. Coochie, great pitching performance against his former team. They, they score some runs, big dingers. Like, oh, yeah, here we go. We're back. And then, you know, the next game, they're struggling a bit more to score, but great pitching sweet and then you come into the final game with your best pitcher and then the bats just totally disappear that that bases loaded situation where vladi took the walk and then they got nothing after that was just that really yeah. took the wind out of the sails i felt in the stadium it felt like just like a balloon like everything came out after that
2: especially and yeah two, like three one count of vladi you're thinking like oh my god he's just gonna hammer something here and it's like oh walk like oh okay well
1: that pitching performance from Gonzalez is like exactly what I described in the last podcast. It was like, how does this guy put up the line he does with yeah. the junk that he throws and he's walking guys? And like, it's mind numbing that he manages to escape that. I cannot believe it. Yeah. It was so frustrating to watch.
2: Uh, that's going to do it for three up, three down. Uh, before we get into what's coming up in a series against Cincy, something that made headlines this week that just really confused me. Juan Soto trade rumors. Um, I don't understand them but can you take me through sort of what went down this week and why I'm hearing Juan Soto and the Jays connected?
1: Yeah. So Buster only did kind of a content wheel thing where he just kind of fabricated a storyline a little bit. It's not necessarily fabricated, but it's, you know, it's based on something. He says that the nationals offered him a contract extension in the off season kind of scoffed at it. It wasn't very much money. I think it was 350 mil for 13 years um and now the talk is okay he's got two more years of control left after this one the nationals are dog shit like they're nowhere near being good they're gonna fire sale so if you're not gonna sign them then maybe just get it over with now when he's got this much years of control left and you can get a king's ransom in return like an absurd return to be honest it doesn't really make that much sense but anyways so uh, what he says is front office types which is it's pretty vague, but you know, maybe it's people in the front office, maybe it's retired guys, guys who got fired, who knows? So front office types have said there's two teams they can see making a big trade for Juan Soto. It's the San Diego Padres who always make big trades and then the Blue Jays who clearly need like a big left-handed bat as a complement to Vladdy Jr. So that would be fantastic. I think from a Blue Jays perspective, they pretty oh. fucking badly need a lefty bat. We, uh, uh, swung and missed on Jose Ramirez in the offseason. So now the attention shifts to Juan Soto. Sell the farm. He's, I don't know, since he's been in the league in 2018, I think he's worth the fifth most, fifth most wins above replacement in like yeah. second or third weighted runs created. Like basically adding like Ted Williams to your lineup. <laughs> That'd be ideal, I think.
2: Well, yeah, and it would be. Like if you could add Juan Soto to your lineup, you'd do it. And no prospect is safe in that regard, right? Like if it takes Gab, Gabby Moreno, like it takes Gabby Moreno and three sure. other things, right? You just do it to get Juan Soto in your lineup. Um, yeah, it's a no-brainer if you can do it. I just question how yeah, realistic, yeah, like why it would happen, why it would happen now, how realistic this is. Like, It's getting me fired up, but I'm just trying not to get my hopes up, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, I just can't see as Washington why you yeah. do that. Like, I mean, that sends such a bad message to your fans. And even if you do think you're going to, them because you don't want Bryce Harper 2.0. Harper, obviously, you know, walks to free agency and just leaves, which kind of sucks. You don't you don't really want that to happen to your franchise, having an icon player, like or a franchise player, quality player, just leave. So you want to at least trade them before that happens. So that's fair. Uh, Soda still has two full seasons left. So you can wait and do that before 2024. You're Be risking, you know, maybe he gets injured. I don't know, but Jesus Christ, imagine selling to your fan base. Imagine the Jays selling Vlad two and a half years before he was eligible to hit free agency. Like, ah, we're just gonna pack it in. Like, you wouldn't buy season tickets to watch that team the following season, would you? No, no, not at no. all. So, why the nationals would do this is beyond me. At least at least wait until his final year before free agency and pull the trigger on a
2: deal in March or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes more <laughs> sense. Um, All right, let's dig into what's coming up next. Brought to you by our friends over at PointsBet Canada. If you're in Ontario, PointsBet Canada is now live. Uh, The Jays taken on a team that is just quite frankly terrible. They're all sorts of terrible. Um, So there should be a sweep. It's as simple as that, Cam.
1: Yeah, it should be, but... As I pointed out last time, one of the pitchers they're going up against is a former Blue Jay castaway, Connor Overton. And he leads the uh, Cincinnati Reds with 1.3 wins above replacement. He's uh, a guy that the Jays couldn't put on their 40-man roster and threw 24 and two-thirds innings, got a 1.2 ADRA. So I'm thinking no hitter. But you you got the other two games. You can win those ones. Yeah, Lou, the, and Luis the, Castillo, Hingin Ryu, Hunter Green, Alec Manoa, Connor Overton, Yusei Gaguchi. Honestly, like, I don't know if the what what's going on with Overton if he's actually good, but the other two guys are pretty good. So it's not an easy pitching series from their, the
2: their names are famous, but I was looking at their numbers. Like, I mean, Green had the almost no, or yeah, he had the no hitter going against Pittsburgh, but again, that's like Pittsburgh. Um And he, he did have a good start before that against Milwaukee, but he's also been roughed up a few times. I know he's a young phenom and all that, Um, but his numbers have been pretty up and down or his starts have been pretty up and down this season. And Castillo is not the guy he was a few years ago.
1: He's fallen off a bit. He's only made, he's only made two starts, 5.59 ERA, Hunter Green's got a 6.21 ERA. Overton's the number one guy. This team also features, um, Former former pitching prospect from the Troy Tulowitzki trade, Jeff Hoffman in the bullpen. 1.83 ERA. Jeff Hoffman. These are, these are not things I expected to see from the Cincinnati Reds, just like yeah. random mid 2010s Blue Jays prospects that got traded away. Now pitching quite well. Good for him.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I mean the pitching matchups, I think they favor the Jays almost every time. You could argue maybe Casillo Ryu favors the Reds a little bit, but like having Manoa and Kikuchi going on the last two, like this, this is a series you need to go sweep. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the dome. You're at home. It's country music night or country music weekend or whatever the hell they have going on down there that I've seen a million advertisements for. Um, win this series and just throttle them. I want them scoring 25 runs in this series. Like, please. Yeah. How
1: many home runs do you think Brandon Drury who has so far this season, he has seven home runs, an OPS of 842. How many home runs is Brandon
2: Drury hitting in this series? He's hitting one for sure. He's hitting three for sure. One per game. Or just one monster game. And it'll be the one game the Jays offense explodes. So they'll score like eight runs. Then Brandon Drury will have seven RBIs and somehow the Reds will win 9-8. It'll be like... Oh, great. Uh, we're just oh, bundles. I've been so bad. Yeah. Um, all right. Real. I just hope they win. Like, I hope we can do a pod yeah, on Sunday. And you know what? If they sweep Coomsy here's my promise to you. We will crack a couple beers and we will enjoy yep. them on the pod on Sunday. And we will have a good time. It's depressing and, and that we'll we're celebrating. Have- Oh, well, no, no bad vibes guaranteed. If they pull a sweep, no complaints on a single complaint. As bad as it is that we are big time going to celebrate a sweep of the Cincinnati Reds, something that should be more or less expected from this Jays team. We're going to live in the moment if they sweep the Reds. We're going to have a good time on Sunday. That's true.
1: We got to, we got to bring the vibes back positively. Yeah. We got to bring them back and just, just have positive vibes around the team. I think it's, uh, we have to do that in order to write the show absolutely
2: all right that's gonna do it for another episode of bjn radio episode 77 presented by our friends at doordash shout out to points by canada as well and twig and berries where you can use the promo code nation 15 to get 15 percent off coombsy enjoy the weekend good vibes only chat sunday yes, yeah. wishes.
1: thanks for tuning in to blue jays nation radio a member of the nation network of podcasts and delivered by doordash don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode